0: So all this talk of food, I'm going to just sort of settle into myself with a little um, analogy there. <laughs> um, so when I was preparing this, you know, I'm not like Mark. I don't come and speak to you every week. I'm a, you know, occasional speaker, for want of a better word. Um, so it's a bit different, isn't it? So I was thinking how, when I was preparing this, I was thinking it's a bit like when I invite people for a meal. So I don't know what you're like, but if I invite people for a meal, I can probably spend as much time thinking about what I'm going to cook as I can actually cook in it. Do you relate to that, or is that just me? Yeah, no, okay. Why? Because you're thinking about, well, who's coming? What are they going to like? What will they really enjoy cooking? And if you're me, you're stupid enough to think, oh, what have I never cooked before that I could try out on these people? (laughs) Because that's the way I operate. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you're thinking about something fresh, something new, but you also, of course, your health conscious wants it to be nutritional. You want it to do them good. You want it to taste good, don't you? You want them to enjoy it. So, you're thinking about their likes. Maybe you're thinking about, oh, they've got that allergy. I mustn't cook that. I must remember not to put that in it. have got somebody in our house who can't eat tomatoes. So I always have to remember, can't put tomatoes in it. There's lots of things that you do in that thinking and in that preparation. And then maybe you're really super organised and for this talk I tried to be super organised. I had a lot of time in half term and I thought right god let's get it sussed in half term where I've got lots of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something happens in here I know that. Yeah, when you're doing that you, you no, no preparation of the heart is wasted. Yeah. So there's heart preparation that goes on there. but I had nothing to show for it. So you know no, nothing was sort of prepared. Oh, okay, fine. I'll keep trusting god. It'll come. And you know and eventually you go shopping, you get the ingredients, and then you have to put it all together until you reach that point where you finally plate it up and you deliver it. So that's where we're at this morning, <laughs> all right? You're seeing the plate it up version of what I believe God has given me to share with you today. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and the thing that I feel God wants to say today is a question. It's a question that Jesus asked his disciples and I think it's a question that he's asking us today. And that question is this, who do you say that I am? You remember that question yeah. that Jesus asked his disciples? Who do you say that I am? And I'm going to really put that emphasis on the you. Who do you say that I am? That's the question that Jesus wants to ask us today. And that's what I'm going to talk about in a minute. Um, and I'm going to talk to you about it um, in the sense of Some things that I feel God showed me out of his word, what he's revealed to me, they're not the be-all, they're not the end-all. Some of you might have better revelation than me on some of those things, and that's fine. But what's important is that we catch something. You see, when I cook that meal for people, I want people to go away thinking, hmm, that was so good, I want more of that. And that's what I'm hoping to do this morning. I'm not going to give you everything about Jesus, because I never could, could I? (laughs) Um, but what I do want to do is wet your appetite, make you want to go away and find out more for yourself, yeah? And we'll talk about why that, that's important in a minute. So I'm going to talk about a few things that I feel that God says is really important that we're able to answer when he asks us that question, who do you say I am? I've got five things that I think we really need to see, and I'm going to talk to you, talk to you about some of those. Some of them will be just really brief passing points. Some of them I might dwell on a little bit longer. And then I'm going to think a little bit about how do we see Jesus how can we answer that question? And again, I've got a few little, just one-liners, but I've got one thing that I felt the Spirit of God really wanted me to, to pull out about how we get Jesus, how Jesus is revealed to us. Um, and then we're going to have a, that challenge at the end because we can't hear something about who do you say I am and then go away without answering the question. So we're going to take some time at the end. Um, maybe we'll worship a bit. Maybe I'll just get Phil to play. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, so be, but be prepared. But what I will want, because this is what I sense God wants from us, is a response. A response from our hearts for going forward. So, is that okay? Yeah? yeah. Cool. you get really dry when you start talking, don't you? So, first of all, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 16. You'll have to find it in your own Bibles today because I didn't get a PowerPoint up. <laughs> Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. I'm actually reading from the Passion Translation. Because it had quite nice um, colloquial language. <laughs> when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question What are the people saying about me, the Son of Man? Who do they believe that I am? And they answered, Some are convinced that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you are Elijah reinstated, sorry, reincarnated, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, Who do you say that I am? asked Jesus. Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one or the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you're favored and privileged Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own, but my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I'm gonna stop there. I know normally when people read that, they go on, but that's the bit that we need to catch hold of who do you say that I am? Peter confesses something, and Jesus says to him that it's his father that's revealed it to him. It wasn't revealed by flesh and blood, but by his father. You see, the thing is, isn't it, we could all, if I ask you now, who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? We'd all have some answers like that, off-pat answers, wouldn't we? We'd have lots of things that we've heard about who Jesus is that we could say. We'd have lots of things that are up here in our head about who we know Jesus is. What about the things that are here written on our heart? What are the things that are on our heart? And that's what I want to catch hold of today. You see, we have to have like, like have that revelation of who Jesus is in our heart. It's Not enough to have it in our head. It has to be engraved in our heart so that when people see us, they see that Jesus that's been revealed to us. And it can't come just by our own thinking about it or our own carnal effort. We can't work it up by ourselves. Yes, there are some things we can do, but it has to be revealed. It has to be revealed by God, by God's spirit, yeah? So that's what we're going to think about. Who do you say I am? Is it revealed by the Father straight into our heart? So I always like to have a look at meanings of words. That's one place where I'm a bit like Mark. (laughs) So the word reveal in the Greek is apokalypto. Recognize that word? I also find words really interesting. You think, oh, oh, that's where that word comes from. (laughs) So apokalypto means to disclose, to take the cover off, to make manifest or to lay open what has been covered. The only visual illustration I thought about having today was having some poor person under a cloth that eventually (laughs) I revealed. I thought that was a bit rough (laughs) on the poor person, so I didn't do that, yeah? But I like that, to lay open what has been veiled or covered. And that's what we want to do this morning. So I'm just going to pray right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come and reveal Jesus to us afresh this morning. That you'd sow something in each of our hearts. That we would see something new or we would be stirred to look at something new. And that we would go away hungry, take that time to see Jesus revealed in our lives. So that we can answer that question, who do you say that I am? Your Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd make each one of us open to what you want to speak to us in our hearts this morning. It'll be different for each one of us, but God, let us be open to your Holy Spirit and let us be willing to respond to what you want to show us today. Amen So the first thing that I want to share about Jesus revealed is that when we see Jesus, we get an insight into God's heart and God's plan. So the first answer to that question, who do you say that I am? For me, it's to say, you are the mystery of God revealed. There are some verses in the Bible that show us this. So 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 16 says, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the spirit. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7 says, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, excuse me, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. So God's always had a plan, hasn't he? Before the world began, always had that plan. But it has, wasn't revealed straight away. I was just thinking about the lyrics to that song. Um, what a wonderful name and how it says, You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation now reveals in you, our Christ. So God's always wanted to reveal his heart, always wanted to reveal his purpose, always wanted to have that close relationship with mankind, always. That's the reason he's created us. We see it first with Adam and Eve, don't we, that he walked with them in the garden, he fellowshiped with them, he knew them and they knew him. But then even after the fall, when sin entered the world and that relationship was broken, we still see, threaded throughout scripture, that God's ultimate plan and purpose, there was something there that he was going to achieve, wasn't there? He always had individuals that he revealed himself to. He always had the nation of Israel that he particularly um, revealed himself to. He was always pointing to that something. And all of the prophets, it says, speak of the one that was to come. Because ultimately, Jesus was the revelation, the mystery of God. Revealed. They always wanted a relationship with people. That's always God's insight, always God's heart, always God's plan. So when we see Jesus, we get a bit of an idea of his heart and his plan. <laughs> Second one, when we see Jesus, we see the Father. So my answer to who do you say that I am, I say, Jesus, you are the revealer of the Father. In John chapter 12, verse 45, it says, whoever sees me, this is Jesus talking, sees the one who sent me. So when Jesus was on the earth, he was saying to people that when you see me, you see what the Father's like. That word see comes from the Greek theorio, which is to discern, to behold, to perceive, to view attentively. If we want to see the Father, we need to perceive Jesus we need to discern who Jesus is we need to behold him i don't know about you but for me behold has got a lingering thing about it hasn't it it's not a quick glance it's a behold really stopping to look at what you can see there so if we want to see the father then we need to take that time to see Jesus because he's the revealer of the father in Matthew chapter 11 verse 27 it says all things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Ooh, that's amazing. Let me read that again. This is Jesus speaking. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son. Chooses to reveal him. So Jesus is our key to having the Father revealed to us, having him unlocked for who he is. And don't we need to know the Father? Yeah, we do, don't we? Yeah, and so Jesus, seeing Jesus, um, knowing the question, he's the revealer of the Father. And again, to know isn't just up here knowing, it's a real knowing, to be thoroughly acquainted with, to understand, to know well. So, I don't just want a passing knowledge about who God the Father is. I want something that affects my heart and therefore affects the way I live. I want to really know Him. So, when I think about that question that Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? I want to be able to say, because it's been revealed to me, you are the revealer of the Father. You're the revealer of the Father. It's amazing, isn't it? In Colossians, Colossians, I really got into Colossians a little while back, and I was reading it in different versions, because, again, it's a good thing to do, isn't it? Because you get used to one version, and it kind of can sound a bit familiar. Sometimes if you read it in another version, things just stand out, and it makes you stop and look at it a bit more. So I'd been reading Colossians in the amplified version, because that's the version of the Bible I like to have and read. But then I'd gone into looking at it in the Passion Translation. Again, just gives you a different feel. I'm going to come into that later, but this is from a traditional thing. The Colossians 1, verse 15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And another way of writing that is to say the exact likeness of the unseen God. So we can't see God, can we? But we could see Jesus. Jesus came and was God made manifest. The exact image, the exact likeness. But that's why Jesus reveals the Father, reveals God, because he was his exact likeness, his visible image. And then Colossians 2, verse 9 says, In Christ lives all the fullness of God in a bodily form, in a human body. So everything that's God was in Jesus. The fullness, some versions say, fullness of the deity. Yeah, but that means the fullness of God. Deity means God, doesn't it? So the fullness of God was, was manifest in Jesus. He walked in a human body on the earth. So that's why when we look at Jesus, and when Jesus is revealed to us, we can see what God is like. When we see Jesus, we see the Father. And you know, when Jesus was on earth, he said that he only ever spoke the things that he heard the Father say. So that means that when we hear what Jesus says, we hear what the Father is saying. And Jesus also said that he only ever did the things that he saw the Father doing. That means when we look and see what Jesus did and does and continues to do in our day, it means we know what the Father is doing. because He only ever did what the Father did. When we see the heart that Jesus showed, a heart of love and compassion and mercy, grace, forgiveness, acceptance, didn't condemn people, did he? He stood for truth. <laughs> he didn't condemn people. But when we see his heart, see the heart of the Father, because his heart was the same. He is the visible image of the invisible God. So who do you say that I am? I say that you are the revealer of God the Father. Third one, and I'm going to spend a bit more time on this. When we see Jesus, when Jesus is revealed to us, we know who we are. So my confession, when asked the question, who do you say that I am, my answer is, you're the one in whom my life is now hidden. I couldn't really put that to words, and then maybe there's some other things that will come out as I go through this, but let's have a little linger on this one, because this is really important that we know who we are, because we've seen Jesus, that's how we find our true identity, when we really, when Jesus is revealed to us, deep here in our heart, we find out who we are. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, talks about the fact that we are adopted as God's sons because we are in Christ. So if you're born again and you're in Christ, you're God's son. Daughter, if you don't like being called a son, <laughs> you get the idea. We're his children. Romans 8, verse 17. We are children of God and therefore fellow heirs with Christ. It's not just that we're sons now, but actually we inherit everything that was Christ's. Because of what he did on the cross for us. His resurrection. We're fellow heirs with Christ. Galatians two twenty. This is the verse that you say kills me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We need to have this revealed, don't we? Because otherwise, it's still us that's living. And that's not what it's about anymore. It's no longer about me, olive living. It's about me letting Jesus Christ live through me in the olive-shaped body, which will look different to the heather-shaped bodies. (laughs) Yeah? But it's still the same Christ in us. Yeah? Same Christ in us. Then Colossians 1 verse 27 talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is where I'm going to read a little bit more from that Colossians passage. Um, Just go with me on this, you know. (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it? In the New Testament, they talk quite a lot about devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. We don't do that very much, do we? Maybe it's because people couldn't. I was thinking about that and thinking, was that because people couldn't read themselves? Don't know. Anyway, whatever. It's still a good thing to hear the Word of God, isn't it? So this is the Passion Translation of bits in Colossians. I'm going to be jumping about, so you might want to just sit back and listen rather than try and follow it, because you would be thinking, what, where is she now? All right, but there's some things in here that are just, just for me, I just thought, wow, that's amazing. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that's been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience not just to know but to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into full understanding of truth. This is Paul speaking. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with his power flowing through me. to Present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Christ. Isn't that amazing? God wants us to be his perfect ones in Christ. Let that sink in. I'm his perfect one in Christ. You are his perfect one in Christ. This is the Jesus that he wants to reveal to us and hear so that we know who we are. We are his perfect one in Christ. Paul goes on to say, I'm contending for you that your hearts will be wrapped in the comfort of heaven and woven together into love's fabric. This will give you access to all the riches of God as you experience the revelation of God's great mystery, Christ. We need to experience the revelation of Jesus to come into understanding of all of the good things that God has for us. For our spiritual wealth is in him, that's Jesus, like hidden treasure waiting to be discovered, heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. Endless riches. That's why I can only... Brush the surface this morning because there's just so much. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. For he, Jesus, is the complete fullness of deity living in human form, as I read earlier. And now our completeness comes in him, found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. So Jesus, when he was on earth, was the exact representation of God. All of the fullness of God lived in Jesus. And now, if we're born again, all of the fullness of Jesus, therefore, all of the fullness of God, lives inside us. That's incredible. Isn't it? That's absolutely incredible absolutely (laughs) mind-blowing. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. Yearn for all that is above, for that is where Christ sits, enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm, and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, and not with the distractions of the natural realm. We are his perfect ones in Christ. We access all of God's riches as we experience the revelation of Jesus, who's God's mystery. Our completeness is found in Jesus. We're completely filled with God as Christ fu- God's fullness overflows through us, as Christ's fullness overflows with us. Completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows in us. So I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, well, Jesus, what are you like? You're full of love, therefore, so am I. But I need to have that revelation that Jesus is full of love before I know that I'm full of love. Jesus, you're full of grace, therefore, so am I. You're full of mercy and compassion, so am I. You're an atmosphere changer. Now, when you see Jesus on earth, people always knew he'd been there, didn't they? And what was interesting was all the people loved him. The Religious leaders had a bit of a problem with him, but all the real people, the needy, normal, everyday you and me's of the world loved him. There was something about him that drew him to them. They wanted to go where he was. They wanted to walk miles to listen to him. They didn't even care if they'd forgotten to take lunch and they might get a bit hungry. They were prepared to spend days listening to him because there was something about this man, something about him that was different. He changed atmospheres. He spoke with authority. He was different to anything that they'd ever known. He was an atmosphere changer. We need to be able to see that in Jesus and have that revealed in our hearts because then that's what we can be too. And that's what Jesus wants. That's what God wants of us in this world, isn't he? That because of who Christ is in me, that overflows out of every fiber of my being. So wherever I go, people smell Jesus. <laughs> Wherever I go, people see Jesus. Wherever I go, people feel Jesus because he overflows out of me. That his grace, love, mercy, authority will have the same effect on the people's lives that I touch as Jesus did. Not because of me, but because of Christ within me. That's my hope, Christ within me. So this revelation of Christ is so important because that then becomes our story, our testimony, as Mark was talking about last week, that bridge, that bridge that shares, well, let me tell you about who Jesus is to me. There's a couple of other lovely verses on this that I'm just going to (laughs) read. I was thinking about this morning. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. When someone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. So for all of us in here who've been born again, that's happened to us, hasn't he? He's been uncovered. We've had one revelation, or at least one, of who Jesus is, that he was the son of God and that he died for our sins and that if we believe in him, we can have eternal life. That veil has been removed for us if we're born again. And then it says, we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So again, it talks about beholding, which means, remember, seeing, setting your gaze on, really looking carefully at. When we really look at Jesus, then he can reveal himself to us. And that's how we're changed. And it happens, doesn't it, from one degree of glory to another. We can't take it all in at once. <laughs> but one bit after another bit, keeps keep showing who he is, and therefore we can be changed. We like him. And then it goes on to say in chapter four, verse five, what we proclaim is not ourselves, that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what we want from our lives, isn't it? That what we proclaim, whether it's from the words of our mouth or just from the way we live, is Jesus. I want people to see Jesus when they see me. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Why we have to see Jesus, why we have to see Jesus, It's the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma, that means the smell, the sweet smell or not, <laughs> the smell of Christ in this world. And once I was walking, I, I love walking out, and I love, anybody who's seen any of my photographs will know, I love flowers <laughs> and, and creation. I remember walking down the passageway once and I could see ahead of me this beautiful rose and this big bush that was overhanging the pathway that I was walking on. And I remember from a distance looking at it thinking, wow, that rose is going to be so beautiful. I can't wait to get up close and look at it. Yeah. And then as I got closer, it wasn't just beautiful to behold. It smelled absolutely beautiful. So I was like there smelling it. It was just beautiful. Yeah. I remember thinking at the time, God, let me be like that. Let me be like that rose that people coming along think, I, what is that? I want to see that. That looks beautiful. I've got to get closer and look at that. Let that be the Jesus in me that spills out so that people want that. And then when they get close, let them smell <laughs> the aroma of Jesus. Now, we know, don't we? So we must be discouraged sometimes that for some people, the smell of Jesus is going to be the stink of death. But for others, it's going to be the smell of life. And like Mark's always saying about scattering seeds, because we don't know where they're going to fall. We don't know which ones that we're going to be the stink to and which ones we're going to be the smell of life to. Sometimes, like Flick was sharing, you begin to see where hearts are open and we can start to sow more there. But we need to be that fragrance, don't we? And we can only be it as Jesus is revealed in our hearts so that we can then live out the Jesus that we know. So who are you? Who do you say that I am? I say that you're the one who fills my life. You're the one that my life is hidden in. You're the one that I want to be like, that I'm being transformed into. Fourth reason we need to see Jesus is that it enables us to worship. So my answer, who do you say that I am, is you're the only one, Jesus, that I worship. You're the only one that's worthy of worship. That's what the angels in heaven and the elders around the throne, they only worship the lamb. The the one who sits on the throne and the lamb, they're the only ones that they worship. And they're doing it day and night. They've done it day and night from the foundation of the world. (laughs) And they're going to keep doing it forever. But there's always new things that they see. He's just so huge. There's so many different sides to his face. We've hardly seen anything, have we? hardly seen anything yet, no matter how great we think our revelation of Jesus is, there's more, There's so much more to see, so much more to see. And the more we see of Jesus, the more we can worship, the greater our worship of him will be. you struggle with worshiping Jesus? Start there, ask him to give you a er- revelation of who he is. Because When we see something of who he is, it stirs up that response of worship from our hearts, and we can't do anything but worship. And we see who he is and what he's done for us. We just can't keep it in, can we? We have to let it out. John 4, Jesus, the famous story with Jesus meeting the woman at the well. The famous quote, you know, I'm looking for worshippers who will worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus is the truth. The spirit enables us, but Jesus is the truth, the one that we worship. It's only possible to worship as we see more of Jesus. The more we gaze on him, the more we behold him, the more we see of him, the more we want to worship The more we see how much he loves us, the more it makes me be able to love him. The more of his love I receive, the more I can love him in return. We love because he first loved us. And the more I do that, because it's not just about my singing type of worship, although I think that's a really important part, but worship is actually our daily lives laid down for him, isn't it? Yeah? And it's the more I see of him, the more I want to worship him and the more I want to lay my life down and say, yes, Jesus, I surrender. Like we were singing earlier this morning and surrender to him so much more easily the more we see of him. yeah, surrender is only difficult if you don't see who he is. Always new things to see. So who, who do you say I am? I say that you are the one that I worship. And the fifth one, when we see Jesus, we see our, li- our lives from the right perspective. So who do you say that I am? Jesus, I say that you are the king. Jesus, I say that you have all authority. Jesus, I say that you are seated at the right hand of the Father. You are the exalted one. Page stuck here, sorry. So Ephesians 1, verse 20 to 22 says, God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And then in Colossians 1.16, for through the Son everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth, all that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government Principality and power, it was all created through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. He is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent. So when we see who Jesus is, where he's seated, what power and authority he has, then we can answer that and it helps us to see our lives. One of the things I've been doing this year, I I don't know what you're like, but at the beginning of each year I like to have something that I think God is wanting to sort of show me for that year. Sometimes it's a verse, sometimes it's a passage, sometimes it's a word. This year it was learn to see and I kind of was, it's because I was stirring myself to learn to see in the sort of prophetic realm, but I also decided that this was the year I was going to finally nail what on earth to do with my SLR camera, <laughs> yeah, so a single lens reflex camera for those of you that aren't into photography. So, in other words, I could put it on automatic and take photos, and that's quite fun. I quite enjoyed doing that, but there were lots of things on here that I thought would mean I could take better photos if I could only learn how to use it. So, I decided that this was the year I was going to learn to see. And it's good because I love it when God ties in the natural and the spiritual. So I'm out there getting all excited about this new thing because I'm learning one thing a week. <laughs> I'm on this online course. I'm learning one thing a week, and then you have to go out and practice. A bit like Mark's been saying, you have to then go and do things, put it into practice. No good just to hear it or read it because then I'd never do anything about it. I have to go out and do it. And what's great, isn't it, is that I'm learning to see in the natural. But as I'm doing that, I'm tuning in my ear to the spirit. And I get all sorts of things spiritually from what I'm seeing in the natural. And I just think, isn't God great like that? You know, I want to learn to see in the spirit, just like I'm learning to see in my camera. So one of the things I'm learning about my camera is that, so say I was going to take a p- photograph of Mark just because he's sat in front of me here. <laughs> and because why wouldn't you want to take a photo of Mark? I could do it in lots of different ways, right? So I could, get a, I could have a really big snazzy lens and get a real close-up. I could look at him from this perspective or I might think that's not his good side. I could look at him from this (laughs) side or I might want to do a front on really up close. (laughs) I could decide he'd look better in black and white. All things at my disposal to create this image of Mark, (laughs) to see him from different viewpoints. Isn't that just like what we need to do? You see, there are all sorts of viewpoints and ways we can see the situations that affect our lives, the things that come upon us the world tells us this thing, our friends tell us this thing, our own thoughts and heads tell us something else, but actually there's one viewpoint that's right, that's the best viewpoint, and that's God's viewpoint, because he's sat up here in the heavenly places, and he can see all things from the beginning of time to the end of time, and I want to be up where he is, looking from his viewpoint, looking from his perspective, because that's going to get me the best shot of my life yeah? and it's not going to be down here where I can only see a little bit or down here where it's just not a very good angle to see it, but I'm seeing it from his perspective. So we need to see, we need to see a revelation of Jesus so that we see things from his perspective, not our earthly one. So those are the five things I felt that I needed to share with you in terms of some answers that I felt I needed to answer and I think we need to be able to answer. So that question, who do you say that I am? I hope they've whetted your appetite. Maybe you think, yeah, I've seen that. And I don't mean seen that, I mean seen that. It affects my life. Maybe you think, oh, I never thought of that. Maybe some of them you thought, oh, I need to go away and look at that. We'll respond to that. We'll respond to that at the end. But then again, I said at the beginning that it's the Father that reveals Jesus to us. So if we want to see more of Jesus, if we want him revealed to us, how are we going to go about doing that? How are we going to see more of him? Because I don't know about you, but I want to see more of Jesus. Yeah, anyone else with me? Yeah, good. (laughs) want to see more of Jesus, don't we? So the first, I've got a few points and then this one thing that I think God really wants to show us. The first thing is, well, be hungry to see him. See, If you want to see Jesus, he's not going to hide himself away. He's not going to make it hard for you. He's going (sighs) to let you see him. He wants to show himself to us. He wants to be revealed. Yeah. He wants to let you understand more about what it's like. He wants you to see more of who he is and to let that sink into your heart. So be hungry to do it. And ask the Holy Spirit to reveal him. But then you have to do something. You have to take some time. You have to take some time to look at him. And that might be through reading the Bible. might be through listening to the Bible. You're better at listening than you are at reading. God knows how we all are and how we best learn, but we need to get the word of God into us somehow. Maybe you can listen to some inspired preachers. Maybe they'll point you in the right direction, but don't rely on their revelation. Like Mark was always telling us, you have to get it for yourself. It can inspire us and it can get us to, wow, I need to go look at that, but we have to get that into our hearts ourselves, don't we? Like I've said for me, creation often is a way that God reveals himself, reveals more of Jesus to me. I see so much in creation. I I don't know if that works for everybody, (laughs) but it certainly will work for a proportion of us. He's revealed as we worship him, so take time to worship. When we worship, we see him as he really is, yeah, and we see things as they really are. Take time to worship. But then there's this, that I really felt God wanted me to um, pull out (laughs) again it was very kind of God, because actually one of the things he said to me was that I could pull things from, my, from treasures old and new. That's Cool, isn't it? So you can see this is a way back revelation, <laughs> but that's fine because it's fresh and it's for today. So there's this, talking about questions, there's this passage in John 8 where the, the leaders were a bit bemused about Jesus and some of the things he was saying, that they were thinking, whoa, that's a little bit blasphemous, It's a little bit. Disrespectful, you're kind of equating yourself with God. You know, what are you up to? You shouldn't be doing that, should you? And they asked him a question Who are you? That's what they asked Jesus. And Jesus answered by saying that he was, I am who I am. I am who I am. And in the Greek, that is, I don't know how you pronounce this, I'm going to spell it E I M I if so that's I-me, or E-me, or A-me, I don't know, but anyway, E-I-M-I, and that comes from the verb to exist or to be. Do you recognize that? So when Moses said to God, who shall I say sent me, what does God answer? Tell them that I am has sent you. And In the Hebrew, that's the word Yahweh, I am. Yep, so I am, I exist. That's who God is, and in this passage in John, that's why John, Jesus was actually saying I am God because he was, yeah? That's why the religious leaders had a problem with it. But he was God, and he always has been. That's why he's known as I am. Not I was, not I was created, not I will be, but I am. I always have been, and I always have existed, and I always will exist, because that's who God is. But then there's this interesting thing (laughs) that says, um, says, again, this is the Passion translation, you will know me as I am, after you have lifted me up from the earth as the son of man. Then you will realize that I do nothing on my own initiative, but I only speak the truth that the Father has revealed to me. And there's a little footnote in the Passion Translation which says about this lifted up verb and how it has two meanings. So when we first read that, we think automatically, don't we, about the fact that Jesus was about to go to the cross. He was going to be lifted up. And we know that the Bible says that when he is lifted up, he'll draw all men to himself. So we know that that's the main thrust of what Jesus was saying there. You're going to know who I am. I'm going to be the redeemer, I'm going to be the Messiah, I'm going to be the one that was crucified, that's going to make the way for people to come back to the Father. We'd know that. But that verb also, to lift up, is the same verb as to be exalted or to be honoured. And what the guy in the book was saying was that there's this dual thing. So when we honour and exalt Jesus, he can reveal his true identity into our hearts. And I just thought, wow, that's really powerful. I mean, it was one of those things I went away and sat and thought about with God. So when I exalt Jesus, it enables him to reveal who he is. And this was the thing I felt like God wanted to really share with me to share with you today for how to get Jesus revealed to yourself. Exalt him. Honor him. Because when we do that, he reveals who he is to us. So I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, well, okay, And you know how, like, as human beings, sometimes other things get a bit exalted in our heads or in our lives, don't they, rather than Jesus? Yeah, they do, don't they? So I was thinking, okay, so that means that if I'm here and something in my life is giving me fear, what do I need to do? I need to exalt and honor Jesus above that fear. And what happens when I do that is that he can reveal himself. Maybe he'll come. And reveal himself as the one who is perfect love that casts out fear. Fear. Or maybe he'll come and reveal himself as the prince of peace. Or maybe he'll come and reveal himself as the one who has all authority. See, it depends on what your cause of your fear in your heart is, is what he needs to reveal to you. I can't tell that for you. Yeah. But whatever it is at that time, we can say, Jesus, I'm choosing to exalt you over this fear. Come and reveal yourself as what I need you to be in this situation Maybe we've exalted something, maybe there's something we're worrying about, something we're anxious about. Something that we feel we can't deal with it. What do we do? We honor and exalt Jesus. Because when we do that, he can reveal himself to us as what we need to remove that worry, that Prince of Peace, the provider, even as Scott was talking this morning about, you know, trying to do things in our own strength, but actually instead relying on Jesus, that He's our provider. Maybe we've been exalting human ideas and wisdom. Maybe we think, I need to get the answer to this thing at work or I need to know what I need to be doing in this situation. And we start to exalt our own ability or our own thinking or our own talents or our own gifts. Think we we can do it? It's not how God wants it to be. And if we exalt and honor Jesus over that, maybe he'll come and reveal himself as the I am, the wisdom that is from above far more superior to any wisdom that I could ever hope to achieve of myself. Maybe the pleasures of this world, my own comfort, my own ease, gets a little bit exalted above Jesus sometimes, my own ambition, pleasures of this world, whatever you want to call them. We find that's happening in our lives as we choose instead to exalt and honor Jesus. Maybe he'll come and reveal himself as the I am the one who truly satisfies I am the living water. I am the bread of life. There are so many things that Jesus is. You know, and probably if I went around the room, it would be something different for us all. Whatever it is, we need to make sure that we exalt him over anything that's in our life so that then he can come and reveal himself as the I am dot, 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 dot. Whatever it is that you need. But that's the key, isn't it? It's whatever it is that we need, he will be that. He is that. He can be that in our life. So who do you say that I am? Not your head knowledge, but what's revealed to you in your heart so that it outworks in your life. I was thinking of a stick of rock. Do you remember when you used to go, I think they probably still do it, but I don't know if they do. But when I went to the beach as a kid, You'd always get come home with a stick of bright pink, ugh, sickly rock, <laughs> Rotted your teeth probably terrible. But all the way through it was written the destination. So for me, it was usually some Norfolk beach like Lowestoft because we didn't ever get very far. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what what's good about the, low, the the rock is that you have a bit or you chop a bit off. My mother used to give us a little bits at a time. It was still written on the next bit and on the next bit because it went all the way through. Went all the way through. That's what we need, isn't it? that Jesus, a revelation of Jesus, goes all the way through us. So no matter where you chop me, (laughs) you see Jesus. No matter what situation I am, you see Jesus, that he exudes out of me. So who do you say that I am? Is Jesus revealed to you as the mystery of God, the revealer of the Father, God's exact representation? Is he revealed to you as the one in whom your life is hidden, the one who enables you to know who you are? Is he revealed to you as the only one worthy of your worship? And is he revealed to you as the king who has all authority and power? Who do you say that he is? And what do you need him to be for you? Are there things you've exalted that actually you realize, actually, no, I need to exalt and honor Jesus above that so that he can reveal himself as the I am? What I am, you need to see him as. Phil, do you mind coming to on the piano, please. <laughs> Thank you. I want us in a minute just to respond as Phil's playing. Firstly, if you think, yeah, I'm hungry to see more of Jesus, then when you're ready, just stand, lift up your hands to him, and just start talking to him. Start telling him what's on your heart and what you want to see and telling him that you're going to determine to take some time to really look at him, to see who he is you need to know him as the I am? And you fill in the gap. There's some other things that you've exalted in your life over and above him. That as you exalt and honor him, he will be able to come and reveal himself as the I am. Whether that be peace or wisdom or love, whatever you need, he has it all. So when you're, as and when you're ready, this is really between you and God. But I want us just to take some time in his presence. And you stand and engage with God as and when you're ready. And it may be that as that time comes to an end, we'll just sing something to worship him to finish. But for now, just allow the spirit of God to just speak to your heart and bring a response from your heart.